scriptures. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew the 16th chapter. Anybody come ready to to receive something from the Lord? Anybody else come ready to receive something from the Lord? I I hate to throw a pass if no one's going to catch it. (laughs) I hate to, you know, don't want to cast our pearls before swine or give what is holy to the dogs I'm not saying we have any pigs or dogs in the house just checking though in uh, in Matthew chapter 16 we want to uh, begin reading we've been in this series now for a couple months uh, called the triumphant church and uh, And I've got some more to say today. Let's begin reading verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And so we've been focusing in on this last last phrase here, where Jesus said, I will build my church, and asking the question, what does that church look like? If the Lord is is involved in, and He is occupied with building the church, hallelujah, building the church, uh, what does that church look like? And if you back up from there, if we discover that Jesus is building the church, and we're supposedly involved with Jesus, then how many know we ought to also then be about building the church? Huh? Yeah, and, and so if I say, I'm just, just loving on the Lord, just walking with Jesus every day, I just enjoy His presence and have such a great relationship with God, what are you doing to build the church? Because you might not be hanging out with the same person you think you're hanging out with. And if you want to hang out with the Master, and if you want to spend time with the Lord, have a wonderful and, and great relationship with Him, then be involved in what He's involved with. Amen. And so he said, I will build my church. And what he had in mind, the, the, the building of this gathering of people, he said, of, of this, the gates of hell will not prevail against. All right. So I want to know what he had in mind that was so strong and so prevailing that hell couldn't do anything to knock it over. And I want to be involved with that. 
I want to emulate a, the image or picture of that as best I can. Okay? Now, uh, the past few weeks, I've been uh, sharing with you some components to this glorious, triumphant, amazing church. And uh, trying to, again, have in mind what the Lord had in mind. When he said, church, I'm getting my people together. They're going to be, mm, they're going to do this. I want to understand what, what, what that means. And so I've identified that he, that he wants us to be in his word. That will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And a church that's not well grounded and established and settled on the word of God is flaky, is not strong, it's not overcoming. You can't be victorious and ignore what God has said or be ignorant of what God has said. And so we give a lot of time and attention to be uh, to, to the very words of God. And, and then we shared with you about being spirit-filled and spirit-led and having a demonstration of God's of God working in our lives continually. Okay? That's important. He 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 much much uh, talk is given in the New Testament to the impact and the influence and the d directorship of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can never diminish that even for a second. So, so we give high honor and high respect and high value to the work and move of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. If there's never anything that happens in your life or in our services that cannot be naturally explained, then we're missing it. If there's never anything that you can't reproduce in a test tube, mean, meaning proved scientifically, then we're missing it. Because I tell you, God is bigger and better, and they, you will have experiences, I will have experiences with God that cannot be naturally explained or reproduced. It is only by the Spirit. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, we shared with you, uh, even last week, about the value of the family. The family. What do I mean? I'm not talking about mom and dad and kids. I'm talking about the church family. We are the body of Christ, and we're all body parts, and we are to have great honor and respect for one another, our role, our place, and how God would use each of us uh, to minister one to another, and how we serve one another, and, and, and so that, that's very, very in, important that we be engaged with one another every day. And I want to tell you about something else now. I want to go a little bit further. And, and some of you, I want to challenge you in this. Okay? Anybody up for a challenge? Is it, is, did anybody come in here thinking you were perfect? And you just wanted to be petted? And we'd say, you're wonderful. You're wonderful. Everything's great in your life. You're perfect in all your ways. There's nothing missing, nothing lacking. Nothing. Hallelujah. Um, we were all designed by God to do something for Him. Did you know you were created to do something? Uh, I'm not talking about approaching the Lord in this way that, uh, that our performance is required for His love. There's nothing you and I can do to earn His love. It's just freely given. It was shown to us in Jesus on the cross. I'm not talking about having that, that type of mentality where I'm not quite good enough today. No, you're righteous in Christ. 
When you make him your Lord, you're set to go. So I'm not talking about approaching God on a, on a basis of, of performance, of good works or bad works. Uh, but I am talking about being a faithful steward of his gifts. I'm talking about what he has provided us, his resources in our life, of, of handling them properly, uh, of doing the right thing with what the Lord has given us. Uh, you know, we, we've said this before, but the, the human body is better off when it's moving, right? You find those who are very idle in their life, they're, they're excellent couch occupiers. Uh, they usually will have more physical problems in their life than those who uh, get up and go, right? We're designed for activity. We're designed to move. You should use your body, right? Likewise, it is true in our entire beings. We are spirit, soul, and body. We were designed to be active. Spirit, soul, and body. We were designed to do something for God. We're created with that intention. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ that he is building that hell will not prevail against is a moving church, is an active church. It, it, it's a church that is, that is doing something for the Lord. Whenever it becomes idle, whenever it stops accomplishing, whenever it stops moving, then it becomes something that was not what he envisioned, what he intended, and it becomes vulnerable to attack. We have got to be a moving group, a moving church. Yeah. You're kind of quiet on me today. Uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts the ninth chapter. You may be familiar with this account of uh, Saul's conversion to the Lord, powerful experience amazing person of course he went on to write a good portion of our new testament but it began with this and it says in acts chapter 9 verse 3 as he journeyed he came near damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him saul saul why are you persecuting me and he said who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And so we have here uh, Saul of Tarsus, who has, of course, you know, prior to this, he was persecuting the church. He was locking them up. He held the coats of those who stoned Stephen. And so he was not a nice guy. He was very religious. Sometimes those things go together, religious and not nice. And, uh, and he was a mean person. And he thought what he was doing, he was doing the right thing. Kind of like some people in different parts of our world today that are killing others, that are crucifying Christians and cutting heads off, and they think they're doing it for God. <laughs> I got to wake, you're going to have a wake up call when they stand, uh, you know, when they leave this life, if not sooner. Uh, you weren't doing that for God. <laughs> and Saul thought he was doing the, doing the right thing. Religion will mess you up. I tell you, so often, it, so often it'll twist your mentality and it goes the direct opposite of the, way, the ways of God. 
And uh, anyway, he had this encounter, and he was astonished. He was astonished. He was shocked. He, he sees a light. He falls to the ground. He hears a voice says, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus. You are? <laughs> I mean, he was surprised to hear that. Uh, but this is very interesting to me because he posed two questions. The first one is this, what I just said. Lord, who are you? That's a good question. I think all of us need to come to that question at some point. Most of us in here probably already have, meaning the Lord spoke to us, may not have looked like that or had that, th th those characteristics to it, but no one comes to the Lord except he draws them. The right? reason I'm saved is because God loved me, not because I loved him. He drew me, and I asked the questions, basically in a different form or different fashion, but who are you? I inquired, I sought out, and he revealed himself to me. I'm Jesus. Okay? And, uh, and so we receive the Lord. It's a very important question to ask, who are you, Lord? But then this is interesting. I think people don't often ask the next question, but it was assumed here. It seemed to be automatic in Saul's mind. He automatically went to this, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to what? To do. And notice the Lord didn't say, oh, Saul, I don't want you to do anything. After all, you know, you're a human being, not a human doing. Uh, I, I just want you to be. I know sometimes there's the impression given by some that the Lord doesn't want anything, anything in our lives, anything for us to do. That's not correct. It just starts with knowing Him. It starts with acceptance. It starts with love. It starts with His embrace. But does He have something for us to do? Absolutely He does. And the Lord responded to Saul. He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the city. And said, then I'm going to tell you the rest of the story there. I'm going to give you further direction if you obey my, obey my first instructions. But go to the city, and I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Amen. I believe, and I see this clear through Scripture, God has something for all of us. Why don't you say, say this out loud with me? Say it by faith if you're not sure yet. <laughs> say, it is God's plan that I do something for Him. I am better off, and others are better off. If I do what he wants me to do. That's true. That's true. That's true. You are better off. Others are better off. If what? We're doing what he told us to do. And there is something for all of us to do. Now turn with me over to the book of Ephesians. Just a right turn from there. Not too far. You see Galatians? Hit the brakes. Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Someone said, what's the book of Ephesians? That's just a book that was written to people who lived in Ephesia or Ephesus. <laughs> they were called Ephesians, just like you are from Boise and you are called a whatever you're called. <laughs> Bronco! Oh. <laughs> a Boise and whatever. Alright, they're called, that's what this is. Someone said, isn't that obvious? Well, it might be to you, but it might not be to everybody. In Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Paul here, now Paul is the same as Saul. That's the same person, okay? And 
Paul here, Saul, who had the experience on the road to Damascus, is writing here by inspiration of the Spirit. Okay, and he said here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and he himself, he himself, there is Jesus, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Well, why did you give those to us? Why did you give these? No, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now I want you to consider this. The Lord gave certain gifts, and there's some, not everybody is this gift, but the intention, the purpose of those gifts is that the saints, who are, who are the saints? Saints will be any believer. Okay, You don't have to do a good work and then die and then get sainted. Okay, The saints, according to the Scripture, are anyone who's been separated unto God. It's a believer. It's a born-again person. It's a saved person. The saints have a need in their life. What do you need? Say, well, I'm saved. What else do I need? Here's one thing you need is equipment. Equipment. What kind of equipment? Spiritual equipment. The Word of God. Understanding. Anointing. Gifting. You need equipment. Where does that equipment come from? It comes from God, but I would say it comes through apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. If we separate ourselves from those gifts, we also separate ourselves from the equipment that God intended to come through them. So we recognize it, but we are all designed, we have a need of equipment for what? What's the equipment for? To do the work of ministry. Notice the, the, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, they're not supposed to do the work of ministry. They're supposed to give equipment to others so they would do the work of ministry. Do you see that, how that's in the scripture? I didn't make that up at all. Everybody with me? You see that right there, right there in the word. Okay. That's God's design to give people the goods, the equipment, so they could do the work of ministry. Amen. I wonder sometimes if that's what God's design was and His intention, how many believers have been in the being equipped stage way too long? Meaning, sometimes year after year, they are being equipped, but they never take the next step to do what? The work of ministry. Everybody still okay? You, you said this would be okay, that I challenge you, that I heard every single one of you say, I'm up for this. Go ahead. Uh, all of us should ask the question, Lord, what do you want me to do? And if that comes from a heart of submission to God, submission to His Lordship, recognizing that He has a plan, He'll tell you. He will, and then He will equip you to do the work of ministry. But this has often been misunderstood or just ignored, and people stop, and they're in the equipping stage continually. They've got so much equipment, man, I don't know how they carry it around. 
It's got to be heavy. Your life must be hard. Man, you got so much equipment. It's like you live at the buffet. That's my calling in life. I'm an eater. I don't do anything with my life. I just, you know, I consume. Now think about this. Our national unemployment rate right now is said to be 5%, okay? Uh, I know that's not true, and I know that's whatever. I don't want go to go there. That's not my point in my illustration. But if you look it up today, it will say 5%. Okay, what that would then mean, if that were actually correct, is that we have 95% employment, okay? Um, when the economy goes through its ups and downs at different times, you remember just a few years ago, uh, the, that number was 10%, and even higher than that, okay? And, and when, when that number gets up into those levels, there's a lot of freaking out going on. I mean, it's like, this is bad news. This, our, our economy is in trouble. People are hurting. When it gets to, you know, if it gets in that 10% range, it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, and I was thinking about that. That means that 90% of the people have jobs and 10% don't. And we're like, ah, do something. We got to fix this because only 90% of the people are working. Right? And then I got to thinking about the church. What if the church had a 10% unemployment rate, meaning the kingdom of God, that 90% of the people were active, they were doing something for God, they were serving Him with their everything that they were supposed to do, and 10% were sitting on their rear ends? Did I say that? I mean that in a nice way and not doing anything for God. Could you imagine? Wouldn't we freak out? What? You've got a church where 10% of the people are doing nothing? Ah! What are you going to do? You certainly got to do something to fix that, right? Why is it so quiet in here? <laughs> Have we become comfortable with, okay with, the, the kingdom of God having a high unemployment rate to where there are large numbers of people in the average church who do nothing for God except eat? And we think it's normal. We think it's okay. We think everything's fine. Amen. <laughs> I mean, some even, uh, they accept, because, you know, this economist years ago, Pareto, who came up with the 80-20 the principle, and they accept that, well, that's just the way it is. You know, you know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work, that kind of thing, and, and extrapolate that to other scenarios. Think, well, that's just the way it is. 20% of the people do everything, the rest don't, or 80% do 20%. And... Uh, is that the way we view our own lives? Is that what we should be accept what should be acceptable in the body of Christ? 
that most of the body is just limp? You know, there's just 20% of it functioning? Or 10% of it? Hallelujah. I think it should be different in God's kingdom. I think it needs to be. I think it was the Lord's plan when he said, I will build my church that he had in mind. I'm going to call this one, and I'm going to call this one out. I'm going to call this one out. I'm going to bring them together. They're going to they're gonna gather. They're going to love on each other. They're going to pray for each other. They're going to do all these things, but they're all going to be doing something for the kingdom and for eternity. That's what he had in mind. The good news about God's kingdom is everybody gets paid. God is faithful to reward our labor of love. He is not unjust to forget about it. We'll be rewarded here and we'll be rewarded in eternity. For what? Doing what the Lord told us to do. And the Lord has something for every single one of us to do. Amen. Amen. Now, I was thinking about ownership. Uh, Whose church is this? You know, we might accurately say, well, it's the Lord's, of course. It is His church, His body. But then, practically speaking, we, we, we ask, whose church is it? And some, would, some might answer, and I would say incorrectly, well, that's Pastor Mark and Amy's church there, Life Church. Mm, I don't really like that. Yeah, it's ours. I'm not saying no to that. But if the body of Christ doesn't say, that's my church, if we don't and say, this is my home, my church, my family, this is, then we're missing it. Because then we're, then we're looking in from the outside. Then we're going, we're going through the drive-through, huh? picking up some stuff and going on, but it's not our home. How many know when, when, when it becomes your home, it's a different attitude? And I mean this in this way. It's possible for someone to be a part of our church, for example, for years, but still have this, that's theirs mentality. I'm, or if I do anything, I'm doing it for them. Well, I thought it was yours. How many know when you take ownership of something, now you're doing it for you? I mean, you're doing it for the Lord, but it's yours. Huh? Like your house, your home. Who's supposed to take care of that? Well, it's you or nobody. Why? Because the neighbor's not coming over to do it for you. Why would they come vacuum your carpet? They've got theirs to take care of. you got yours to take care of. It's your deal. Amen. And how many know if you have a family, a mom, a dad with kids, it would be totally inappropriate for mom and dad to do all the chores? <laughs> I mean, you would, you would not call someone a good parent if they did everything for their children. You would say, you, you got to get your kids working. There's a reason you have those, those sons. That's because they mow things. They, they wash cars. They, <laughs> you know, they're, and I mean, that, and that would be normal. That would be a normal part of a family. What about in a church house? What about in the family of God? When someone takes ownership, it's on them. And if it's not on them, 
Where, you're not home. You, it's the wrong mentality. Hallelujah. You know, uh, researchers uh, have discovered that in a church, that if a church of a whatever particular size has too many employees, meaning paid staff, that are in leadership in the church, that it, that, that it actually diminishes and hinders their growth. I think that's interesting. I mean, what sense does that make? You think, hey, if you can afford it and you can have lots of staff, you can get a lot done. No, what happens is then the, the burden of ministry or the work of ministry gets shifted away from the body, God's plan, and it gets shifted to a small number of people, which is our way, you know, uh, of doing it. It's not God's way of doing it. I find that very interesting. You get too many people on the, roll, on the payroll, and you're going to hurt your church. We've got to have God's mentality. What's that? Every part does its share. That, every, that God has a plan and a purpose for everyone to do something in his kingdom. When we adopt that mentality... I tell you, things are going to start to start to increase. They're going to they're they're going to start to grow. Yeah. In fact, if we had time, we would look over at at, at Acts chapter six, and you could read about how they did this very thing. They were having troubles with feeding different people and the widows and so forth, and there was some griping, and they came together, and the, 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 the apostles then, they were the ministry gifts. There weren't any pastors yet or so forth because the church had just started. The apostles said, "Hey." We got some things to take care of, but he said it wouldn't be smart. It wouldn't be wise. It's not good for us to leave the Word of God and serve tables. He said, we've got to be in the Word and prayer. That's God's call. That's the way it's supposed to be. That has to be. So I want you guys to handle this. And so they, they, they dealt with things, and they picked certain people out to lead the ministry. You know what, what happened at the end of that? The Word of God grew mightily and prevailed. The Word of God increased. The kingdom of God was expanded. Why? Because not just a, a, a select, super-called group of individuals were trying to do everything. Is anybody still glad you came to church today? Or see, Man, I, I totally could have done without this today. Uh, I was good until now. Um, <laughs> I think about this, this mentality of doing things for the Lord. You know, 1 Corinthians 10 says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's a mentality I want for my own life. I think we all should have this mentality. Whatever we do, I'm doing it for Him. What's the opposite of that? It's when I'm always doing something for someone else. And I think, man, I'm, I'm working for the Lord. I'm, but no, they wouldn't say it that way. I'm working for the church or this person, I'm doing this for them so they don't have to do it, then people's, they all of a sudden they have this great expectation that they place on, on those around them. Well, they should appreciate me more. They should say something. They should do this. When they have a mentality of I'm doing this for the Lord, first of all, my place, my church. Secondly, I'm doing what I'm doing for the Lord. We look to please Him. And if He's pleased, we're good. But if our expectation is, is I have to have adequate, by, measured by me, feedback from everyone around me constantly, look, look, look forward to a lot of disappointment. 
in life. But when you switch and say, I'm doing this for the Lord. I am working for the Lord. Then, th- then you'll have a, a different attitude. You'll not be uh, susceptible to, to offense and so forth. I, I see two ditches in regards to these things. Two ditches. One is the individual who tries to do everything. All right? You can't do everything. You're not called to do everything. You're not gifted to do everything. It would not help everyone else if you did everything. And so I know some of us fall into that. We think, man, work, 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 work. And we're going to do everything we possibly can, and it's not God's will. And then there's another ditch. You know what that is? You all know what it is. It's called do nothing. That's just as much of a ditch. And the do nothing ditch is they're only served. They don't serve. They are served, but they don't serve. They're, they're, they're a do-nothing type. And, and you know that that's not God's plan. It's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for those around you that we fall in that ditch of doing nothing. And, and by the way, did I already say this? Going to church is not serving the Lord. <laughs> oh, I've been serving the Lord for years. What are you doing? I go every Sunday. That is for your benefit. That is, that's eating. That's, you know, hallelujah. Let me read you a story. It's a real short story. This is uh, from Charles Swindoll. This is a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to do. And everybody was asked to do it. Everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody would do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. The end. I hope this doesn't come across to you today, uh, you know, like too weak or anything. And I apologize if I'm not in your face, because that would be doing you wrong. And uh, I would be doing everyone who calls himself a Christian a disservice if I didn't tell you uh, these things straight and strong and tell you come on man ask the Lord what he wants you to do everybody okay if you are an active part of life church and follow me as your pastor you are going to have these things take place in your life okay you are going to be solid as a rock in God's word I don't mean it'll happen overnight, but you're going to be solid as a rock in God's Word. You are going to live a life that is Spirit-filled and Spirit-led. You're going to be in the right place at the right time, and you're going to have the power to do it, to stand, to be strong. You are going to have a demonstration of God in your life personally, and we'll experience it together corporately. You will value the family of God. You will have high regard and respect 
for those around you. In, and I mean it in this way, both in acknowledging other people's gifts and their place and how it relates to you and how you relate to them. You're going you're gonna to honor the giving and receiving relationship that we all have with each other, okay? Because this is the will of God. And not only that, but can I tell you what, else, what also is the end result of this? Is you will actively be doing something for the kingdom of God. And one day you will be richly rewarded for your labor of love for God. And we minister to one another. We serve one another, and God rewards us richly. But that's what I see when, when, when Jesus said, I will build my church. And I haven't exhausted that by any means, but I will build my church. This church is alive. It is active. They are doing something for him for each other which is for him for eternity amen not those who just kind of observe who acquire knowledge who who grow in understanding but don't grow in activity amen and I believe the Lord is, is, is helping us not only to see it to recognize his design his plan his will in this coming to pass but he enables us to do it yeah, do we start, is it first and foremost important that we know the Lord? Totally, totally. And our salvation is found in knowing Him. But now, let's not wait 5, 10, 15, 20 years before we get up and do something for Him. Amen. Father, I thank you today for working in our lives, for working in this family, for working in the church. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.